This is the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast, helping millennials execute their vision. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Blind Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jonathan Grzbowski, and today we're on episode 47. I have Matt Lerner with me. He's 29 years of age. He's the CEO of Metro Butler. Metro Butler is a property manager and short-term rental concierge for people using services like Airbnb. So if you're looking to use Airbnb services, Metro Butler will help facilitate the logistics and get all that stuff uh, situated so you don't have to. Matt, how's your day going so far? It's pretty good. Uh, you know, we're kind of right into it at this point. It's almost lunchtime, but uh, you know, the day's going well. Always busy. Well, speaking of lunch, this actually is a perfect segue to the first question. I always start <laughs> off uh, with an icebreaker to just kind of get the creative energy flowing a little bit. Sure. But imagine you, that you just had the worst day of your life. Your, de- your head is down uh, in the dumps. You just don't know what to do, but of course you have to continue your day. So what is that one piece of food that's going to make your day better? <laughs> um, it, it's going to be ice cream and cookies. Like like I'll eat like a chip wish all day, every day. It doesn't really matter what time it is. That's gonna, it's going to pick me up. It's going to you know get the creative juices flowing. And after I take my nap, I can get back to work. There you go. <laughs> so uh, I'm just curious with when it comes to the the chip witch, are you do you have to get it from like a, an ice cream truck, or are you just going to go out to like, your near Seven Eleven or whatever? Near Seven Eleven is fine. I, I'm not a chip witch snob. I don't need to go to like the artisan like hand creamery like whole situation. I can just do like a tin foil wrapper out of the Seven Eleven freezer. That's fine by me. You're, you're an easy, easy <laughs> simplistic man. So uh, thank you for the first question. But the first real question is, tell us about your who are you and what is your story? Sure. So Metro Butler was actually my third business. I kind of became a career entrepreneur uh, by chance. I didn't set out doing that originally, but uh, you know, your career has a way of kind of unfolding before you in unpredictable ways. Um, so when I was in college, I started my first business, and it was an online ordering guide for restaurants. So we let students at University of Michigan uh, log into a web portal, pick the food they want, then have it delivered. This was back in 2005, so it was certainly earlier then Seamless and Grubhub and all those other sites that kind of blew up a decade later. Um, we ended up partnering with a bunch of other schools. The network actually involved over 20 different campuses across the country. Um, I sold my stake in the business in 2009. And then I went in to go work at a PR agency, typical New York Madison Avenue agency. Did that for a couple of years, realized it was not for me. And I did not enjoy having nine different bosses on nine different projects and the 50-person conference call. Um, so I left that business and I started my second business, which was um, it was an online digital ad buying service. Um, we ended up doing a Series B raise in 2011. Uh, shortly after that, I left, took some time off, and started this third one. Mm, very interesting. So I, I want to learn. I want to go all the way back. Sure. You said that it was by accident. Define that a little bit. Go into more detail. Sure. So I never set out and said, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur or I want to start my own businesses or be the head of anything. I think, uh, you know, like a lot of careers, you figure out what you're good at and what you enjoy doing and what you're not good at and what you don't enjoy doing. Um, And I realized that I really uh, loved the creative iteration process and being like a project manager and coming up with an idea and then executing on it. I was not nearly as good at you know, having a project dictated to me and then pounding through like a checklist of deliverables. Um, and that second thing is obviously if you're not good at those things, you don't enjoy doing those things, you're gonna have a really hard time working at a large company and working for other people because you're always gonna think that your way is better and you're not gonna be able to see the importance or the, the reason why somebody, you know, asked you to do the things that you were told to do. 
Um, I did not have an easy experience working in the agency world. Um, it wasn't a good cultural fit for me, and I wasn't particularly great at the work. Um, and I realized that you know one of the reasons were because my strengths were in other areas, which was kind of being more of a project manager and being more of an iteration person. And I was able to kind of expound on that. Um, when I was in college and I started my first business, um, it was really more just an opportunity that came to me, and I just kind of ran with it. Um, I had a, a friend who hooked me up with some guys who were starting something, and it kind of spiraled from there. But yeah, so I, at no point was I like, I really want to be an entrepreneur, start my own businesses, and just kind of sort of happened. And I found that I really loved doing it. Yeah. Well, when you were growing up, was that were you always the kid that was just you know getting your your hands in a lot of different pots? Or... Yes. <laughs> so I was always the one who ran like the March Madness pool, like underneath like the lunch tables, like at school, and I was always the person who had like kind of like a side hustle. So yes, I, I absolutely was. And I guess uh, you know. If I'd been paying attention earlier, I might have seen this, the writing on the wall, but it took me a few years to figure it out. Well, I'm, so now I'm curious. You know, is this something that like, is are you like the uh, the redheaded stepchild when it comes to like your family, or is this something that has been like culturally within your within your family? Sure, I th I think I'm kind of like the mix between my my parents and and my brothers. Uh, my dad's you know a corporate lawyer, so he definitely came in the much more straight and narrow track. And then my two brothers are, you know, both, uh, they both are musicians. And so I, I think I'm kind of like the combination between like the, the very like type A and then like the more creative, but I definitely do not have the creative abilities of my two brothers. I definitely do not have the, the, uh, the discipline that my dad has. So I, I guess I landed on entrepreneurism between the nice. two of them. Very cool. Well, I'm, so I'm curious because I don't know if I did the uh, explanation and definition of what Metro Butler actually is. So just briefly, tell us a little bit about what it, it what it is and how it helps people. Sure. Um, you actually did a very good job. So our whole idea is that if you think of Airbnb as the world's largest hotel, we are the front desk, concierge, maid service all rolled into one. We help people who want to rent their place on Airbnb but don't have the time to do so or don't have the know-how to price it correctly or the the ability to constantly check in with their guests because they write a lot of messages, people have booking requests. Uh, we handle it all for them. So we simply need to know the dates that somebody wants to rent out their home. And we find the guests, we rent the property out, we check the person in and out, we take pictures and document any damages, we have insurance that can cover um, those damages, we do toiletries in the bathroom, we do sheets, towels, blankets, pillowcases, so they're not sleeping on your stuff. We can lock up valuables, and then we have the apartment clean before the host returns. Mm. So this had to have come. This idea had to have come from some type of experience that you've had. Um, sure. Do you, do you want to go and talk about that? Yeah, I was talking. About, I have a number of friends who are management consultants and work in international banking. We're traveling a lot for work, and one of the things that they kept on saying to me was, "I can't believe how much I pay for my apartment, and I'm only in it like eight days a month or mm. twelve days a month." Um, so I kind of just asked them, why aren't you Airbnb in your place? And they said, oh, you know, I don't have the time or when I'm, you know, when I'm in a boardroom at a meeting or if I'm on vacation with my family, you know, I'm not going to be reading my email constantly and then you don't book your place. And if there's an issue or a problem, I can't fix it because I'm you know, halfway across the country. Um, so I'd love to Airbnb my place, but I just don't have the ability to. And I heard enough people say that. You know, and I heard enough people that were paying. You know, New York City is really expensive. People are paying over four thousand dollars a month in rent in a lot of cases. And if you're only going to be living in your apartment for a week or two, you're kind of flushing. You know, two thousand, three thousand dollars a month on an unused asset. So might as well try to uh, make that money back and rent out your place. And we help people do that. 
So I want to know some of the early struggles of uh, of Metro Butler and and how you essentially got it up and running. We heard the the passion of how it started, but uh, being that you're from New York and you're seeing this huge void that you're trying to fill, um, did you start in New York and how did you eventually grow the organization? Sure. So we started in New York. We are still only operating in New York. Um, you know, we don't just do Manhattan. We do Queens and Brooklyn and the Bronx and you know Staten Island and close parts of New Jersey as well. Um, so we are New York based. Um, we certainly have plans to expand beyond that. Uh, but right now we're really just focused on making sure that our current customers have the best experience with us. Um, New York city is a great market for what we do, not only because of the huge amount of property inventory, there's 3 million apartments in New York city. Um, but because it's a very easy city to get around. So our logistically, it makes it very easy for us to do our jobs when there's great public transportation, everything is very close together. Um, cities like LA are a lot more difficult to do what we do because it's so spread out and so huge and could take 30 minutes just to get from property to property. Right. Well, I'm, I'm curious, right? So you're using the platform of like Airbnb. Now, Airbnb is a huge organization, but hypothetically speaking, what happens if something were to happen to Airbnb? Um, have you guys thought about, you know, what, what would happen if something were to, to come about that? Sure. So we're we're not uh, you know platform specific to Airbnb. Uh, what we do, and we're not a marketplace. So people don't come to our website to look for properties. We don't even advertise our properties on our site. Um, we are simply trying to help the host, and then the guest is who gets all like the kind of ancillary benefits. So we could list our properties anywhere. Airbnb is a great platform, and we love using them. But we could use HomeAway and VRBO and every other sh rental sharing site. We could use Craigslist. You know, it, it's very easy for us to mat to market our properties. Um, what's not easy, and what we spend most of our time doing, is managing the properties, um, and that's where we come in. So we're not a marketplace; we're really a service enhancer for the host. Well, and, and how um, long have you been working at this uh, at this at this uh, business? Sure. Uh, it's been a little over a year, so it's about like 14 months at this point. Very cool. Very cool. Congratulations this far. Thank you. And, and in terms of just, you know, the, the early stages, I'd like to learn a little bit more about a possible failure that you may have had in the very beginning. We all mm -hmm. have failure. We all have struggles. What were uh, some of those with your business? Sure. Um, I think one of the most difficult parts for us was doing our, our raise. You know, we did a seed round for half a million dollars um, pretty early on. Um, and it's not easy asking people for money and answering their questions. Um, I'm, our investors are very intelligent. Most of them came from finance backgrounds. Um, so they were asking very tough questions and they would prod at the business and look at our margins and try to figure out why we were doing things a certain way and really just ask us a lot of questions that made us really think very hard about whether we wanted to do this or not. Um, but it made the business better and it gave us the ability to, you know, address those things and figure out how to fix them. and do things in a more intelligent way. So while it made it very difficult to raise the money and while it made it very difficult for us to have like those kind of like late night conversations, you know, is this something that we want to do, something that we're prepared to do, um, it made the business stronger. We were able to close the rounds and then we were able to think about those things as we moved on. So a lot of the people that are listening uh, to this podcast, they may be like you where they want to get, they wanted to get funding, but they just don't know, uh, you know, prior to getting funding, of course. Sure. Um, yeah, they, they want to get funding, they don't know how. So at what point in time did you realize that, okay, we need funding now? Sure. So we were running the business and we were running it with, uh, you know, we were running really good margins and we were generating revenue. Um, but we knew that in order for us to scale, we needed more staff and we needed uh, a real platform. 
So we were doing everything, you know, on like Google spreadsheets and post-it notes around the office. Um, we realized that we needed like an actual piece of tech platform and that we needed a few people to handle the day-to-day business so that we could do more of the operations side. Um, in order to hire people, in order to put an investment into a tech product, we needed capital. You know, and it wasn't the kind of capital that we were simply able to kick off with the business. So we knew that we needed like an immediate influx of capital, and that's why we went out and raised the money so we could pay salaries, hire several people, and build a tech product. And then we knew that we'd be able to continue paying them and continue paying for all the other business expenses through the revenues of the business itself. But we needed money up front. So in terms of um, you, know, you are in these, uh, these meetings with the investors, um, you know, what are some ways that you were able to, A, attract the investors that they, you know, and then B, what were some of the things that you've said in order to get them to get them on board? Sure. Um, there's kind of like two things that most investors are going to want to hear. And it's, you know, what have you done to this point and where is this going moving on? So you need to be able to sell a really good story as to what happened from the day that you came up with this idea to the day that you walked into that investor's office. And it's really good to be able to show revenues. And, you know, people like to sell an investor on the idea of like a really promising story or the untapped potential. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that 100%. I think that it's certainly easier to tell a story without any numbers because you can kind of make up whatever story you want. There's no way to prove it one way or the other. Um, but personally, I think it's a lot better to go to an investor and be like, this is how much money we've made. These are our profit margins. Uh, this is our growth metrics over the last three months since we've been doing this. And this is why you should invest because we're generating profits and it's only scaling up from here. So I think it's very important to you know be prepared to go into those meetings and show somebody what you've done to date. Um, and the second thing, it is that moving forward piece. You need to be able to give a very clear uh, breakdown of how you plan on spending that money raise, what it's going towards, and why those things are going to help the business grow further. Um, you put those two pieces together, and somebody's definitely going to be interested in at least speaking with you. Well, I, I think we have a good foundation of like who you are as a business professional, but I'd like to learn a little bit more about who you are as a human being. Sure. Um, you know, like for for me, getting into a rhythm, getting into a habit is is really is really good you know it kind of it makes your day easier uh, so what are some habits that have helped you become more efficient throughout your day sure um i love scheduling plans after work that are social i love getting drinks with my friends i love playing basketball on monday nights i love going to the beach on the weekends um when i have these things kind of laid out before me i know what time i need to leave the office to do them um, I know that what needs to get done before that. So, you know, kind of like that artificial clock of I need to meet my friends at 830 for dinner. That means I have to get the following things done by 7, you know, 45 so I can head to the office and do it. So I like making plans after work. I think it's very important to have a work-life balance. I work hard and a lot of times after I do my social activities, I then go home and work until the middle of the night anyway. But I think it's important to break up your day and to save time for yourself because if you're not making sure that your mental health is okay, you're not going to work well. And then if you're not working well, you're not going to have the time to go out and enjoy your friends and the social activities that you might want to do. Um, so I always try to, you know, at least break in into points of the day, the ability to relax a little bit. And then if I need to go back to work, I go back to work. The, you know, the kind of thing about being an entrepreneur is there aren't really hours to my day. I work seven days a week, 24 seven. So when I need to take the breaks here and there, whether it's going out and, you know, grabbing lunch with somebody, or coming to the office 30 minutes later than you know somebody else. Like those aren't things that you should beat yourself up over, and it helps you actually work a lot better. Mm. 
how did you get into that mindset to not beat yourself up? Because I feel like it's really easy to beat yourself up and get yourself down by doing things like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just um, I, I've spent enough hours and I spent enough time being absolutely like sick to my stomach over so many work issues, just driving myself crazy and you know working until I was blear eyed. That I guess at some point I was like, you know, the work product isn't even as good when I work this way as if I just you know, went to sleep at, you know, 1am instead of at four, and then just get up a little earlier and, you know, have a coffee and get right back at it. And it's, I think it's really important. That would definitely be a piece of advice that I have for anybody who's starting a business. It's important to work hard and it's important to really push yourself, but there is a point of diminishing returns where, you know, you're actually doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, absolutely. And you also mentioned briefly that you use some of the capital that you obtained uh, from investors to uh, build the technology that you're building. Yeah. So to that point, what types of technologies do you use uh, to kind of use as resources? You mentioned scheduling as one as being important, but are there any other resources out there in terms of tech that you just can't live without? You talking about professionally or personally? Uh, I like to know both, to be honest. Sure. I mean, professionally, we use a number of different vendors, um, everything from our accounting and payroll stuff to our scheduling to some intern work and communication work that we outsource uh, you know we, we certainly do a lot in-house but um, we save a lot of time and we save a lot of hours uh, man hours by leaning on other people um, and doing either rev share agreements or you know like cheap pay or that kind of stuff we work in a co-working space for that same reason so we're not in our own dedicated office we're in a co-working space and we do that because the administrative staff here can help us with the Wi-Fi and the printing and the package receiving issues that, quite frankly, as a CEO, I don't want to spend two hours a day doing that kind of stuff. And I wouldn't want to give any of my employees you know, that work as well. It's wasted their time. So I'm always about looking for ways to be more efficient with my time, my employees' time. Um, so yeah, we definitely use a lot um, of different vendors on the professional side. Personally, technology. Um, I'm pretty simple, you know. I got my Chromebook and I got my iPhone and I got my Netflix and my Apple TV. And <laughs> other than that, you know, that's that's what I'm using when I'm not in the office. Is there anything that you can't live without on on Netflix right now? Um, right now I'm watching Freaks and Geeks. I, I got into it. Everybody is like, you know, how, how have you not seen it yet? It's only 14 <laughs> episodes. And you got to go back and watch it. So I've been watching that. I'm almost done with uh, with all the episodes. So after that, I I, I don't know. I, I binge watch. So I'll go back and see one of the old HBO shows that I haven't gotten. To the chance to watch the full series yeah not bad not bad and um you know in terms of you mentioned one piece of advice that work-life balance sure um but I, you know as a the blind entrepreneur to me is a is the person who just goes to work every single day they don't know what to do um they have a business or they may uh, be on the uh, verge of having an idea and they might want to quit their job so you know what are three pieces of advice that you give to people you already hinted at one but what are three pieces of advice that you'd give to another millennial or another entrepreneur in order for them to you know, just go out there and just do it? Sure. Um, I think, um, so I already give you one, so I only need to give you two now, right? Two, yeah. Two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So the first thing would be um, I think you need to trust your gut. I think it's very easy to like go to Barnes & Noble and like try to read you know, 10 different entrepreneurship books and this is how you raise money and this is how you partner with somebody. And that's great. You know, I certainly have read a lot of those books. Um, but at the end of the day, like if you don't believe in what you're doing and you don't think it's right for you, you're not going to be happy. So you can go out and read, you know, uh, the entrepreneur's dilemma, or you can go out and read Tim Ferriss, you can go out and read any of these people and you're going to be miserable if it's not fitting with like how you see partnerships or how you see growing a business. Um, so I'd say the first thing is just trust your gut. Like if it doesn't feel right for you, it's not right for you. There's no single way to grow a business. There's no like defined path. 
every startup has grown in different ways and had different customer acquisition strategies and had different building strategies and different partnership strategies. And some of them have been successful. Most of them haven't because that's the nature of doing a startup. Um, so I'd say that that's the, the first thing. Um, the second thing is I think that once you decide to commit to doing it, you have to go quickly. And I think that um, you learn a lot from pushing something out maybe a little bit too early, um, but you can die by not waiting. So, you know, I would never say push out something that's not good, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with putting out a beta that might have like a few flaws and then getting customer feedback and figuring out how to tweak it rather than spending, you know, 28 months trying to build something. And then in that time, five other startups do the exact same thing. And then you're out of funding and you just end up folding anyway. So I don't think it's a problem to go maybe a little earlier than you think and then use the feedback and use your learnings to, to move forward as opposed to trying to be perfectionist. Uh, I think that I've seen more people have like detrimental results by waiting too long rather than going a little too early has been my personal experience. And is that how you built your company? Did you guys use a beta? Did you guys... So our beta on the tech products actually be launching next month. Um, we did. Uh, we we worked on uh, building it out in India. So I actually just got back from India a couple months ago, um, where I was overseeing the first parts of the build. Um, yeah, and, and when it goes out, it's definitely not going to be a perfect product, and we're going to use customer feedback and our own experience to figure out how to make it better. Very cool. Very cool. And, and I guess my my last uh, question: What level of Pokemon Go are you on? <laughs> I'm not playing that. Come on. Oh, <laughs> no man. way. No way. No. There's there'll be no Pokemon Go on my phone or with my day. I hate to disappoint you. Hey, it's all good. <laughs> and, you know, uh, you know, Matt. If, if somebody wanted to partake in, you know, Metro Butler, if they sure. want to learn more about your story, if they want to contact you, what are the best ways for everybody to do so? They should email us at info at metrobutler.com or just go to metrobutler.com on our website and we will be happy to take their business. I can guarantee you that. Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it and uh, congratulations. And best thank you, Jonathan. Thank you very much. I'll talk to you soon, I hope. Have a